Hello and welcome aboard our podcast, Fighting Catholic Jetlag. My name is JC and I'll be your host. I'm a flight attendant and I'm on a journey to find my place within the Catholic Church. I'll be accompanied by my friend and co-host, Father Larry Hostetter, priest of 34 years and doctor of sacred theology. He's a Catholic University president and for our discussion, he'll serve as spiritual ground control to keep things on course for our flight back to faith. At times, we'll be navigating through difficult and uncomfortable issues, so prepare for a bit of turbulence along the way. There won't always be easy answers, but no subject will be off the table. If you're ready to explore your own doubts and questions and rediscover your faith with us, then sit back, buckle up, and enjoy our flight to faith. I'm Georgia, you're Karen. Karen's more cynical. So you're Karen, I'm yeah, Georgia. Okay. What? I'm fine. You're more cynical than I am, I think. Oh, yeah, because I'm older. No, because you're Cynicism a theologian. Cynicism comes with age. No, you're a theologian, so you have to like question things. Question things. And me, I get to just be like, yeah. it's all real. It's Mary true. Oracle cards. What is the Lord telling me? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, that sounds like you had a really good time in D.C. You're traveling more than I am lately. Well, just this one. So this is the only travel I've done. Uh, early April, I'm going to Daytona Beach. That's like spring break season. It, it is, unfortunately, spring break. Is it unfortunate? Yeah. So what are you doing there? Do you wear your collar on the beach? No. You should. I think Father Mike did no. when he came to visit. Do you have a priest bathing suit? Yes, of course they do. Is it black? <laughs> Rebecca, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> okay. It's like a cassock. It's like... Is it like a sash, maybe? Is there, there has a to be a sash. Yeah. And is it green and purple? I wouldn't mind. Dress? I wish they had still... You know, like in the turn of the century, you saw the guys had those... Kind of onesies, bathing suits. Ah, yes. yes. You know that would do middle-aged guys we, a lot of good, I think, and it would keep protect your skin. As a thirty-something woman, I would absolutely encourage that. <laughs> I think that that would be a way to go. I wish we could bring that back. You got stuff. those SPF tops, though. Actually, an in thing now Very is close. for guys to have uh, swim shirts. Mm -hmm. swim yeah, shirts. that's yeah. a big. It's a thing. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Are you ready? Ready. Hey, we're back. Are we recording? Yes, we are. Oh my gosh, we're recording <laughs> our second season oh my of gosh, I can't believe it. Fighting Catholic, Catholic jet, jet lag. lag. This is exciting to be back, huh? I can't believe we're so back. So all of the stuff that we were saying before that we started was recording too. No, you can. So we, we have to bravo that. We have to cut all of that. that. that, we'll yeah, all yeah, of that. Be, uh, no, uh, uh, we were trash talking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we would never do that. Yeah. Father well, Larry's we like, we were talking about my trip to DC last week. Talking about your trip to DC. Yeah, so, and if you know, you know. Right. She can cut all that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's new? It's been so, I mean, the last time all of us were so together. So much has happened. So much since, has happened. Uh, December and our live event. Our live I've event. Clarification from the live event, though. So, we ready? Sure catch that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've got to hear uh, we'll all get about to that, that later on. Yeah. Well, we have. We were we came to campus, Brescia, to um, have dinner with you and um, start recording our podcast. And I mean, I made the remark. I think you and I have changed profoundly since yeah. December, even in our podcast choices. Like you're listening to my favorite murder now, and I'm listening to Bible and your podcast. Right. So we are really switching roles. Right. So what's next for you? Do you feel yourself evolving? No, I want to know what's been happening since we last met, rather than what's going to, what's in the future. I mean, what's we're, gonna, we're gonna catch our 
better catch up our friends. Well, that's on it. The other side of this microphone, yeah. turning into they a... want to know what you've been doing since. Did you have a nice Christmas? Oh my gosh, I had a great Christmas. I had a great birthday in January. That's Thanks right. for coming to celebrate. Um, Where's Rebecca been <gasps> over the holiday? Oh. Did you do anything interesting? So, so yes, we'll in RCIA, the still in the process of joining the church, which mm -hmm. I think everybody on board here knew about. Yes, Rebecca's joining but the she's church. she's still at it. I can't. Still um, at it. And has now been gone through the rite of acceptance. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean exactly? And what did that entail? Um, it was like the first step of becoming a member of the church, really. We're going to have a whole episode dedicated to. It's just going to be called. Yeah. Rebecca's show. Rebecca's show. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call it. Fighting British jet lag. There you go. Yeah. And it'll be Rebecca becoming American and Catholic in mm -hmm. one. So there's a little teaser for the next episode mm -hmm. when we will talk about well, we will a whole have... bunch of people who at this time of the year, right before Easter, are kind of intense in terms of their final preparations for entering They're the church. Getting ready at the Easter vigil. They are cramming for the for the exam. They're cramming for the exam. They're cramming for exam. Easter vigil. So, and it's like you know all the kids that you see that get up there that are ready for their first communion. Adults are doing it too in the RCI program. So mm -hmm. you're kind of on the same timeline. Mm -hmm. It'll all happen Easter vigil. It's going down. Mm -hmm. We're excited for you. So. She's excited about it. We're excited for her. Yeah, I, it well, it really um, like strengthens our faith too. Yes, people get excited when people see that what we believe is worth. Other people find worth joining too. Yeah, oh, I love it because we don't make it that easy, but we do. <laughs> but we do make it worth it. Yeah, nothing worth it is easy. Nothing worth it is easy. Did you go anywhere for Christmas? You went to Nashville with your mom. Your mom was here to visit. Hello, That's Joe. Right. Say hello to Joe. Say hello to Joe. What's up, Joe? <laughs> Any other time, I'd be like, Joe. <laughs> I was spaced out. Yeah, um, she came and visited. Joe came to visit. Yes. We love some Joe. We did a New Year's Day mass. She's a mother of the podcast. Oh, that was one of my favorite parts we of the break. The puppies. came together for mass on okay so love this so much father larry had mass for us on new year's day it's a it's a holy day Absolutely. and uh so it was great and but the the funny part was i i didn't even ask my spouse to come because uk was playing that day i don't i know better um but the other ladies asked their husbands <laughs> and everyone had kind of said oh yeah so and so will be there and then none of the husbands came. No. And apparently everyone had the same conversation with their husbands of, uh, you're going because I said you were going, <laughs> only to find out nobody's husband came. So it was good. But while we were there, we prayed for UK to win. And we did. I did. You said oh, any prayer intentions. Oh, and I right, said you UK. Did. Well, we had the kids. People had their kids. So we had kids. And some people brought their puppies. Because some of them. And us... they were well behaved for the most part. It was the best. I yeah. had a ball. Hallie, our um, redheaded. Thank you for yeah. saying that. Yes. Well, uh, we owe it all to Rebecca. Rebecca um, keeps her in line. Mm -hmm. Whenever Hallie is around Rebecca, she <laughs> is very good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of the break because it just felt like community. And like you said, people brought their kids. And um, Sarah... 
our friend Sarah brought her kids and it was her son Wynn's birthday. And later, a couple of weeks later, we were talking and I said, how cool is that to have dogs at your birthday mass? Because he loves animals more than he likes to breathe. And he just thought that was the coolest thing. And I said, we should do this every year for your birthday. Mm-hmm. So we had a re- we had a really good time. And then for Ben for Christmas, I um I signed him up for an improv class. No, stand up class. Stand up. <laughs> With Second City. We're excited for his performance. He did so great with our ad. That it's like, I yeah, mean, he's a natural. <laughs> he's a natural. So if if I had a dollar for every time someone said, my favorite part of the podcast is Ben's ad, we wouldn't need ads anymore because we'd have enough dollars. <laughs> Speaking of which. We're no longer sponsored. So if you want to sponsor us, call us. We're no longer sponsored? Not by, I'm not even going to say the name because they're not giving us money. So, yes, if you want to be spot and have Ben be your mm-hmm. spokesperson. If you would like to donate to our podcast, Ben will read your name on air and a message. <gasps> Love that. And that will be our ad. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, go to fightingcatholicjetlag.com and there is a there's a link, says our producer Rebecca. Um, so yeah, go, go on there. If you you want to support the podcast, we appreciate it. Ben will, Ben will do something special for you. Yeah. So we've, we've got that going on. What else? What else is new? I think that's about it. I mean, we're, oh, you now are not only attending Ooh. parochial school, uh, you are now an employee of Brescia University. I sure am. I sure am. Nobody listens to anything that I say or any of my recommendations. (laughs) When I recommended me, but (laughs) (laughs) but you you didn't recommend me to this. That's what I'm saying. So nobody listens to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So my theology instructor, Dr. Emily Demore, at the end of the semester, um, she is. coordinates the theology department and they have a lot of events coming up and they received a grant, um, the Lilly Endowment Fund. They received this grant for this upcoming year and she needs help coordinating events. And so she's putting me on that because she's teaching full time and lots of other stuff. So I will be bringing high school students on campus. We will be going out into the community. Um, So we have a few events coming up. We have Youth 2000. We're we're working with the diocese as well. So it's uh, being operated from the the Caritas. Owensboro, Kentucky. Yeah. Yes. Caritas means love. And I was hired officially on Valentine's Day. Like that. It's really cute. Uh, so, so we've got, uh, there, uh, there was a meeting the other day on of the steering committee of the Caritas Center, not necessarily the event part, but one of the theologians at that meeting from England um, said something that instantly in my mind was like, this is now the new tagline for the Center for Caritas. The Caritas Center is a, an idea that we want to, integrate the value of love into everything we do at Brescia, rooted in the scripture uh, from St. John, love one another as uh, you have been loved, which I think is the fundamental uh, 
way we're called to be as as Christians. It's, it's the only time Jesus said, this I command you, uh, love one another. And so kartos is the Latin word for love. Um, and anyway, this is, have, is doing something for high school students and having a retreat and mm -hmm. a, 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 a conference and all sorts of other interesting things. It's some really cool stuff, yeah. JC's going to be the coordinator. Yes, for. so it'll be, I'm doing it around my flying schedule. I'm still flying. No worries there. Uh, so I'll be doing a little bit of both. Delta but management. I, what'd you say? Delta management. <laughs> no, they're like, what? <laughs> you know the listening. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So since I took um, I took this. Anyway, I was telling you about the tagline, what I think is going to be the best tagline for the center. He said something. He said, well, it sounds like what you're doing is creating spaces where love can build bridges. And I thought that is exactly what the Center for Caritas does at the University. We're trying to create spaces where love can build bridges. I love wow. that. I love yeah. that with love being the root of it because God is love. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's it. That's yeah. it. That's great. So uh, I do have a uh, clarificational from the live event. Or can mm. we do this? Now, or do we have to wait yeah. for the Patreon? Wow, this will just give people a teaser right, to want right. to know. So one Patreon. of the questions was about Christmas ornaments. And one, uh, uh, it was actually, I think, Lauren's mom who asked about the German tradition of the pickle, the glass pickle that would be hidden in the tree. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that little kids would have to do, they'd have to look for the pickle. And whoever found it first would get a prize. I was under the false impression that this was an ancient German tradition. It is not. Well, but you're German. You think everything well, is from Germany. It is a German, <laughs> a German American or... tradition. <laughs> oh, it is it? It was actually founded by a German immigrant in the 19th century, in the 1800s, who wanted to do something special. And they did this pickle ornament, and it caught on in the German American community. And as lots of things do, it was wow. passed on from generation to generation and took on this mythic story that this was something that went way back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, whereas it only went back about 100 years or 150 really? years. Really? Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Well, that's a great clarificational, right. Miss, I almost said McCrary. I mean, on the same line, did you know that German's American chocolate has nothing to do with Germany? So you you oh, told me that birthday. when we got you a birthday cake, yeah. we got you a German chocolate cake because we're like, he's German, he's going to love did, did, it. Did I ever tell the people here, the, no. our friends? Or I mean, we were so offended that we tried not to bring it up because oh, we very specifically well, got you thought, a German I, chocolate I cake. I always thought it was German chocolate cake, and I couldn't understand why I had, and all the time I lived in Germany, we were trying to speak in your language, German chocolate cake ever <laughs> in Germany. To discover if you buy a package of German chocolate, it actually says German apostrophe S chocolate. Germans. Germans chocolate, chocolate. invented by a Mr. German. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Who wasn't German at all, who was an American. Of course and he so was. He invented the Germans chocolate cake. He invented this special kind of chocolate cake with the coconut frosting and everything mm. and everybody said oh that's the chocolate cake that mr mm. german made so it became german's, german's 
chocolate, chocolate cake. cake. How about that? Okay, that's I was, pretty wild. I only learned that like two years ago. Hey, that's that's pretty good. That's a really good factoid. It isn't a good one. So, oh, did you have any clarifications or anything? No, you, you got all of mine. Oh, I do have some a few sins to confess. Okay. Didn't I text you just the other day and I said, "Can I say confession over text?" And I think you said no. That's right. But I think I went about it. And I'm like, well, here's my confession. <laughs> Anyway. You can confess, I can't absolve. So I'm like, that. well, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I did try to do that, but I've gotten all my confessions out, so I'm good. That was the my only sin of like the year. <laughs> so we want to get now to fish and potatoes or fish and chips. You call fish and potatoes? Fish and potatoes if you remember Producer. fish and chips. Fish and chips. We're gonna get to the fish and chips. Let's get the fish and chips. And I can't wait this year for the fish mm-hmm. fries. From all the parishes, because we haven't had them, much of them in the last yeah. two years. There have been a few, but some of my favorite places have not, and I won't say who they are because people will get upset, but I'll tell you who has the best. Blessed Sacrament. Blessed Sacrament. Blessed Sacrament here in Owensboro, I don't think Kentucky. I've ever had theirs. Yeah. But I know you have Rebecca, you will you have know. to be in the middle of that because it's a Catholic tradition during Lent, of course, obviously, to eat fish. And we'll talk. That'll probably be... Three weeks, not, not next week, but the week yes. after when we talk about Lent. Yes. That'll be, I think that'll be the week Lent starts. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. So you you know how much I love Catholic culture. Right. So we need to jump into this for a second because why are you, every time I talk, you look at your watch. It just went off. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, we've got to talk about this. And he's like, no. Stay <laughs> on you got one minute. Go. Um, so, you know, I love Catholic culture right. and we need to jump into this a little bit because um, I grew up in, you know, Eastern Kentucky and Somerset. We had an awesome church. We just had the one church, St. Mildred's. And so I didn't really know about, I mean, I'm sure we had fish fries every so often, but I never, I had never been to a fish fry prior to moving to Owensboro. I think it's probably a big thing around here. Yes. Yeah. They even do like um, parish picnics. They'll do parish picnics. They'll do parish fish fries. They get so into Catholicism around here. It's so much fun. So funny thing, all the fish around here is fried. I mean, it's deep fried yeah. catfish or something. You know, Straight some kind from of the Ohio. Probably not. But <laughs> cod or whatever it is, but it's, it's good. Uh, but it's not very good for you. So it's fish and French fries and hush puppies and hush puppies. Crispies. It's yeah. a brown clay. And, it's and, a brown. And there's nothing. And sweet tea. Has to be. And so there's Carter. nothing healthy. And then a lot of the parishes, people bring cakes and desserts mm. uh, often too that you can buy or you can get a slice or whatever. So... You're going to look, this is the time to be Catholic. You're going to love this part of being Catholic. In Kentucky, it's all about the fried fish. I was visiting my friend, Father Jim, in Colorado, which is Don't tell the me. healthiest state. Theirs the is like, theirs is grilled. <laughs> That's blasphemy. You know, there's Father the, Jim, the fish is grilled and very healthy. They right. really do. Yeah, yeah. So grilled fish doesn't taste as good with tartar sauce, though. No. I don't think they have. No. Sauce. What do they eat on this? Yeah, yes. they probably have some kind of hoity-toity. 
Father Jim, let us know. Let, to our listeners in Colorado, you can let us know. Let us know. We want to know. We want to. But know. I thought it was funny. I was like, "Where's the fried fish?" And it was like, "It was grilled." Oh my so, gosh! My well, my, a couple of friends that live up north who are very healthy, and uh, they'll come and visit us every year, and uh, love taking them to restaurants around here because of the side, like the vegetable, it'll be like vegetables. It'll be like mac and cheese, fried okra. <laughs> They're like, that's not that a vegetable. Yes. Fried. I'm like, that's a vegetable. Right. Macaroni. Keep it going. I gotta run. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Father Larry just stood up, walked out. I have no idea where he's going. He'll be back in town. To his little priest room. about? Are we recording? Mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing it. Where'd you get these snacks? Uh, there was a, a bowl oh, the teacher's lounge. in the field center. And I think they, somebody probably just filled it up for Valentine's Day. Because mm. these nerds are all pink and white. Mm. So we probably need to get on with our show. <laughs> and talk a little bit about... Catholicism. Jet lag. <laughs> Fighting it. What's the topic this evening? The synod. The synod. Now, you know that synod, the origin of the word synod, mm-hmm. comes from, you know this. Yes. I'll, I'll let you guess. Greek. It comes from the Greek word that means. Well, etymol- etymologically, there are two words that it comes from. That's right. And those are? Sun. Mm-hmm. Which means together. Very good. You and know the other one. Hodos. Hodos. Which means way. Yes. So, our way together, moving together forward. on the way, on the way as a church, implying togetherness that. and the journey, and then it became the word synod, which is just means meeting. Just means meeting. Um, Nothing fancy there. But the root is the meeting is about a journey on, on the, way. the way. So, what does that imply? Journey. What does a journey imply? And what does a way imply? You are a professional journeyer. journeyer. <laughs> This is so perfect for our podcast right. because we are on a journey. And we're fighting jet lag. We're fighting so jet lag. What, when you think of a journey, what do you think about? What, oh, gosh. I think. I mean, what are the implications when we talk about synod? I think of church? all the things I need in my checklist. I need my mask, my passport. I call these countable items, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're asking? What do I think Partly, about journey? Yeah. But also, the journey itself is not the destination, right? No, God's the destination. You right. need to keep one of these in your purse at all times because you never know when you're going to need a nap. She's putting on a eye shade. An eye mask, yes. Anyway, so the synod is um, a lot like the journey. It is the journey. Well, first let's explain that Pope Francis yeah. um, declared a two-year synod on Synodality. You should have heard me try to explain this without without you being there to really explain it. Go ahead and explain it. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm just saying I I probably shouldn't. But it's so the Pope comes up with. So the Pope in October of 2021 said the church needs, as part of its future, as part of uh, bringing people together, as part of dealing with some of the jet lag that exists among Catholics needs to recapture the spirit of synodality. So he declared that the years, a two-year period of reflection, process of listening and dialogue, 
known as the Synod on Synodality. And we already know Synod basically is a meeting, but etymologically, it's a meeting that mean, that implies journey and togetherness. Yes. So in my mind, journey means that it's the way that is what's really important rather than where you end up getting there. Yes. The journey, you know, journey is not the destination is kind of the old cliche, but. And they say you can't ever really love someone until you've taken a trip with them. So this is the Catholic church. Why is that? Because you learn a lot about people on the journey. Like you learn, how do they talk to the flight attendants? Do they clap when the airplane lands? Are they. of yours. Yes. (laughs) Are they going to not know what to do in customs? Are they going to be polite at a restaurant? Are they, Do they hold you up, the whole rest of the group up oh in my customs gosh. Are they because a, they brought an orange with them? And, didn't and they did not the declare bag. it. Yeah. Right. Are they going to, I don't know, complain about the weather? Or left water in their steamer. Want, yeah, exactly. Right. So th- these are things that you learn about people before um, yeah, so you, you commit ha- to them. You have to accept somebody. Yes. Uh, when you're on a journey with them. They also say. Even if it's somebody you don't know and you're sitting next to them in the plane, there is a certain level of tolerance that you have to exercise because they might, you might have to share an armrest. You might, yes. Um, Or you might have to get up to let them out because they have to go to the lavatory. Or you might have to discreetly let your flight attendant know, I'm not with this guy. (laughs) Please don't judge me. Pass their drinks over to them because flight attendant. But the point is you become intimate with, with people. So there's a certain sense of knowing people. You really get to know people on, yeah, on a journey, on, on a, journey. a, on a plane ride or right. at the Synod. Yeah. yeah. I've known couples that, uh, their first fight was when they went on a trip together. Oh I, I remember the first trip I took with Ben and he was so much fun. And I remember he like left his flip flop in the it like fell out of his bag and he left it in. It was like in the Uber and we had already gotten out and checked into the hotel and he had to like call. It's like the only other shoe he had. It was like work boots or flip flops, but um, and we were in Florida. But he was and he, you were so poor you couldn't just go down to the gift shop. Oh, we and buy $2 there was absolutely no doing that. Yeah. No, no. And these were like his rainbows from college that he out war that he's like, I'm not getting another pair. These, these bad boys will last forever. So, but he was, he like had a good attitude about it and he was fun. So Ben's the kind of guy that wears flip-flops for shoes. Uh, he used to, yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he busted those out at, um, at the boiler room one night. And I mean, those shoes are supposed to be indestructible, those sandals. Um, and so after that, he stopped wearing sandals. <laughs> He's a closed-toed shoe kind of guy now. So have you all participated in the synodal processes in the diocese? No, yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? So, yes. <laughs> yes. If you're like me and you're not in with the Catholic Church, oh, you would on, have no way of knowing this. this. <laughs> Should we not stop this conceit? She's more Catholic than most people we know, right? I had no, I had never heard. I just mean like if you don't work for the Catholic Church. Well, that's probably true, yeah. I mean, it is something, and I'm not sure a lot of people even know what's going on. Right. I, I had, and but I they do this. I don't know what parishes are doing. The point being, I they do this every couple of years. They have, no? Don't they? 
Well, this wait, is the first time. It's the first one that they've involved the, the lay people. community. Yeah, but they do assert like they do a discussion every with few. With the bishops and stuff. Right with the bishop. Okay, what am I talking about? Then? So since the Second Vatican Council in the nineteen yes. sixties, synods have been an important part synods. of the development of the church, but it's primarily been bishops gathering together. But it's around a discussion. It's a, and it's discussing and listening to each other. Ideally, they have, as part of that, mm -hmm. listened to their people and brought their concerns with them to the meeting of the bishops. So Pope Francis mm -hmm. has taken that a little bit differently and started out with this meeting, again, walking together, mm -hmm. uh, journeying together with the people of God, all people. So bishops, priests, lay people, men, women, children, and there's a timeline. What's that? What's on the timeline? Rebecca found this for us. It's the timeline for the synod on synodality, and it just kind of talks about what you had said. Yeah, go ahead and share that with folks. The opening um, was in October of 2021. So parish level. Um, so if you belong to a parish, even if you don't, go to your diocese diocese website there's a, link there's a link and it gives you this information so this is the listening sessions so that's happening now in february of 2022 um and then in march of 2022 regional listening sessions with the bishop um see you soon bishop medley and then in june 2022 the bishop will submit a summary of these conversations to the usccb which is the united states Council of Conference Conference of Catholic Bishops of Catholic Bishops, mm -hmm. um, and then the bishops uh, will take all that information, package it up, and they will meet with the Pope in Rome in October of 2023 to discuss their findings. And so that's a synod of the bishops. That's the synod in the traditional yes. sense of the word of the bishops gathering together inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So this is a this is a pretty big deal for us, especially for those of us who feel like we're more outliers, like we're uh, uh you know, half -licks. They this is specifically meant for I mean, for all lay people, for everyone, anyone who's Catholic. Um but it's to really listen to the voices of those who often don't have a voice. And I think that's really cool. So for those of you that are active in church, your parish will probably have um, a meetings scheduled if they haven't already. I know here at the university, we had a couple of sessions with students that Sister Pam Mueller, our mm -hmm. director of campus ministry, led. And I really hope you do share your views because... This is only going to work if we have a diversity of views and not just the people who, you know, are always contributing their ideas. We want to oh, hear if ideas. you don't vote, you can't complain. Well, that's mm -hmm. kind of what it is. Although it's not really a democratic <laughs> process, but it's a process of listening. So a couple of things that Pope Francis said, a synod is a journey of discernment rooted in the Holy Spirit. In the Synod on Synodality, the entire church has been called to discern how the Spirit is moving through and with the body of Christ, inside and outside the church, so that we may continue to fulfill our mission to evangelize in the world. How is the Spirit moving us as a church today so that we can be more effective to the people of today? What is it asking us to do differently? Yeah, I, you know, I just, it sounds, it's this, it's really interesting. And it sounds like 
what the Catholic church will be, what the future of the Catholic church is. And, um, that's the hope anyway. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't but put now's so the time much hope in it, that everything's going to be radically Okay, different. that's you being a synod cynic. That is a synod cynic. Uh, yes. yes. Um, I'm a synod hopeful. And <laughs> I'm thinking. Well, what are you hoping for? I'm just hoping, like, I, I, this gives me the most hope I've had for the Catholic Church for our children. And, uh, uh, Rebecca, uh, also known as Bex is going to tell us what the link is if you want to offer your uh, opinion online. Not if, but when. We yeah. need you. Well, but if, if you're doing it in the parish, then you don't have to do it online, too. You can do both, I guess. It's anyway, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> <laughs> it's just how my face looks. This is um, the Owensboro Diocese, um, so I'm sure that each diocese would have their own version of this, but the owensborodiocese.org forward slash synod and if you go to that we'll also put a link on our social media for you but if you go to that you can participate online um at the very bottom of the page there is online participation uh submission option and i'm sure on usccb website there'll be some stuff i didn't see anything on their website earlier but i think they're leaving that up to the individual dioceses because the bishop has to write a report on what he's learned Okay, and then that's brought together. It could be, and I might just not have seen it, but it's real obvious and easy to find. And please do. The Holy Spirit is calling you. Yes, we need you. The Catholic Church. It's been described. It's a mass exodus of young people mm. that are leaving, and it's like, why are they leaving? And a question I know we get is, uh, what do what do young people need to come back to the church? And it's like, well, just ask them. So if you if you want to know why people are leaving the church, just ask them. And that's what they're trying to do. They want to know why you're leaving. Um, so now now's your chance to say it. And they're going to be holding virtual things as well as in person. So make sure you get on there. They want everyone to join and not just the people you see at mass, um, but everyone. So and what's interesting, the Pope has said, Pope Francis said, it is precisely this path of synodality which God expects of the church of the third millennium. Now think about that. Mm -hmm. Synodality, that which God chance. expects. So somehow Pope Francis has heard directly from God that this is what he expects. Man's infallible. From the church of the third millennium. In other words, he is rejecting an authoritarian church where there is a class of people that tells everybody else what to do and everybody else's job is just to obey. He is inviting everybody to participate in discerning the spirit. In other words, he's saying that you, JC, you, Rebecca, and me, we all have equal access to the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and that our experiences matter in terms of understanding what the church says. Now, you called me a cynic earlier. A synod cynic. A synod cynic. <laughs> so I just want to be, you know, it may just be with a, I, I'm, I think maybe just a little bit of realism that yes, I do think this can have a profound change. Um, but I think people also have to temper what 
they expect with an understanding that whatever change happens always happens in the context of the tradition of the church. We're not all of a sudden going to see a church that is completely, totally trans different than what we have now. This Hopefully is... transformed in the spirit of heart. But um, This is how we work because... Oh my... No, go for it. No, go for it. Okay, go ahead. Okay. This is how we work because it's usually... Um, I'm like, I've got this idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got this idea. Yeah. This is going to be a great idea to really rally, you know, some half legs. And you're like, I don't know if that's going to change things. But I, I well, mean. I'm not sure we can do that. Uh, you're like, I don't know. I don't like know. The fish will be down. Casual Sundays. No, casual Sundays you're all for. I'm all for casual Sundays. You like some casual Sundays. Yeah. Sometimes I will think. I'll do the brush at 8 p.m. mask because then I don't have to wash my hair. Oh, yeah. Because you have to hit it right on like a hair wash day. And mm. yeah. That do you not? deter people from church. There's a lot of hair. Yeah, well, there's like a lot of things. Like if you've got a clean outfit or I want to go to the gym afterwards. So now. Just stick your head under the sink. Nope. No. Not how it works. Mm -hmm. It's like a whole thing. It's a whole process so, with three different hair tools. Casual Sunday just takes all of that away. Yeah. It's just about God. Yep. That's how you can come to mass just about anywhere. Nobody is really paying attention to what you're wearing. Are you kidding me? Yeah. This is. It must be nice not to be a woman in 2022, yeah, Father Larry. He's literally well. wearing a chic, all black ensemble with a nice white Swimming. brooch in the front of it. Are you serious? It, that part is blue, but there. Yes. Um, so I, I don't, it may be true. I've never been to church as a woman. Um, <laughs> but so I suspect if you go to this early, like seven o'clock mass on Sunday morning, yeah, nobody cares. Yeah, early morning too. Yeah, I like I like a the late week, one because a lot of times the weekday masses are nice for that. In their work clothes, like nurses come in their scrubs. Yeah, um, I love that. you know, so because they just got off work, I don't think I think most Catholics care what you're wearing, and the ones who do care, you can ignore them. Anyway. Uh, but. You're cynical in terms of how you interpret what, how people will look at you if your hair is not washed. I didn't say that. Rebecca said that. Well, but you agreed. To <laughs> Just her. kidding. I'm saying in general, you there. You know, it's like restaurants in a, anywhere. There are some restaurants you can go to. You're like, I'm just going to throw my hair up. Nobody's going. I don't care. Um, but also, it's also a reverence and respect thing where you're like, I want to bring um, yeah. my. In the Bible, it says. Father Mike Schmidt says you give God your best crop, your first crop. And so we like to show up to mass with our best crop. But if it's between our best crop and sleeping later, we're going to sleep later that's and then miss. That's what it says in the Bible. Oh, give God your best crop. Like Joe. Oh, like from your harvest. Yeah. Not mm -hmm. crop top. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought we were back to that from from yes. uh, you know the first episode. She's come along. Give way. God your best you crop, know, top. The crop top. The day, the day I feel still wonder about that. Yes, the day I feel comfortable wearing my crop, my blessing on the crop top to mass is the day my heart will feel so free for the Holy Spirit. I can't wait, but I'm going to go to the synod and let them know we need to have 
crop top Tuesdays. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. So what are the objectives of the Synod on Synodality? That's such a good question. Um, it's easy to listen. Easy. And I, this is really interesting. I think this is, I got this off of the uh, USCCB site, which got it off the Vatican site. Uh, the objective of the current synod is to listen as the entire people of God to what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. How do we listen? Together to the word of God and scripture and the living tradition of the church. So we're just not listening to the voices of the world around that. We're listening in the context of sacred scripture and also the living tradition of the church. Listening to one another, especially those at the margins. You know, Pope Francis has always talked about the the periphery, that go out to the periphery, the margins, and bring them into Those the who are fighting Catholic jet lag. That's right. Mm -hmm. Discerning the signs of the times. In fact, the whole synodal process aims at fostering a lived experience of discernment, participation, and co-responsibility, where a diversity of gifts is brought together for the church's mission in the world. Can you, can you break that down in secular language, please? What part? All of it. Well, our, you know, basically we listen. We listen to our faith, mm -hmm. sacred scripture, the tradition, but we also listen to one another, mm -hmm. uh, especially those people that are not included, that have been pushed to the periphery, the margins, discerning the signs of the times. In other words, that's a big Vatican II concept that we look at what's going on in the world and what does that tell us about God and who we are as a church. And we do all of this. Uh, together discerning, which means to think about what does the Spirit want us to do, and participating together, not just letting the leaders of the church do all the participating, we're all involved, and co-responsibility, bringing a diversity of gifts. So uh, do they really mean it, a diversity of gifts? Because that means... We'll see. ...women and um, those who may feel rejected... Yep. In the church. We'll All right, let's see it. Um, that that's going to be the real test of the synod, and that, and which is why I say I think some of it will be baby steps. There's always baby steps with with the church. Um, I mean, this is an effort, right? This is this is this is to listen, and then once you've listened and you've heard, you've got to interpret what you've heard and then apply it. Yeah. And so I think. If this happens the way I hope it happens and people are deeply involved in the Synod, then those who were involved in the Synod will hold the church leadership accountable for what was discerned in the Spirit and in the Synod. That's great. And, and just to get a sense of that, and I'll just read these to you and let you comment. First thing is, requires time for sharing. In other words, doing what you're doing, the RCIA, mm -hmm. of coming together and actually listening to each other. Um, then the second one is humility in listening must correspond to courage in speaking. So they're really encouraging people to speak their mind mm -hmm. and not worry about what others might think. Or if it's right, if it's... If we're going to get excommunicated. It's not about, it says, th this is really a cool statement. Everyone has the right to be heard, just as everyone has the right to speak. Synodal dialogue, in other words, talking in a synodal way, depends on courage, both in speaking and in listening. Do you think it takes courage to listen? Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. 
why is that? It seems like all you have to do is just sit there. No, you have to. It's it's a humbling experience, especially with the church. I mean, might be challenged. I remember when we sat with Bishop Medley, and I just thought, oh, I have so much admiration for this man sitting here listening, and we were really taking some of our our complaints and fears and anxieties around the church and he to sit there and listen and to not get defensive I'm sure took a lot and with you too I mean you you do the same so um it it does take a lot to be a good listener it's not about engaging in a debate to convince others mm-hmm. rather it's welcoming what others say as a way by which the holy spirit can speak for the good of all the pope is speaking in this case to the leaders and clergy of the church mm-hmm. um, who often think it's all about apologetics and right. getting people to understand the way the church sees things. Mm-hmm. This is encouraging us who are leaders in the church to see things from the perspective of those who are not steeped in Catholic tradition. Right. And the next one is really cool too. Dialogue leads us to newness. We must be willing to change our opinions based on what we have heard from others. Wow. Now, I can interpret that with as JC must be willing to change her opinion now that she's heard me, but it's really more about me right. changing my opinions because of what I've heard from right. JC. Or, or being open to that or anyway. At, at the very least, being open to as we say with the Caritas Center, um, being open to let love build a bridge. Right. Creating spaces where love can build bridges. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do, yeah. isn't it? I, I love that. Then this one should make everybody sit up and listen to overcome the scourge of clericalism. Oh. I, I think yes, maybe I need to explain what clericalism is. For our example. viewers at home. Yeah. Let's go ahead and knock that off. How would you define it? You don't like this. I'm kind of into it. Clericalism is whenever you take someone who is clergy and you put them up on a pedestal and you just love them so much. You, just you, and everything they say is the right thing. <laughs> Clerics can do no wrong. And a cleric in the Catholic tradition is anybody who's ordained. Deacons, priests, Beyonce. bishops um, are all considered clerics. It's a, it's a legal, legal title as opposed to lay people. Um, and right. clericalism is when clergy get so full of themselves, they think that they are the be all and end all of, uh, what it means to be church and that everybody listens to them in that. Just context. a little bit of power goes to their. That's, that's right. But sure. notice how it says overcome the scourge. You know, scourge is not a good scourge. Thing. Scourge of clericalism. So if you had to define the word scourge, what would you say? It's scourge? like a plague. That's what it sounds like. Sounds yeah, like, it's a horrible thing. It's like a plague. So overcome the plague of thinking that you are... Pre-sego. That I have all the answers. I have all the answers. Baddest thing walking and the hottest one talking, <laughs> a.k.a. Giselle, Real Housewives of Potomac. That's not, that's not who you all should be. Right. Got it. Then the other thing is it, we should... Seek to cure the virus of self-sufficiency. Wow. That's strong words. That's strong words there, too. We are all in the same boat. Together we form the body of Christ. Setting aside the mirage of self-sufficiency, we are able to learn from each other, 
journey together and be at service of one another. We can build bridges beyond the walls that sometimes threaten to separate us, age, gender, wealth, ability, education, etc. Doesn't sound like Pope Francis is a synod cynic. He is not. He sounds very he hopeful. Is, he is um he's a dreamer and that's the last dreamer. one of these. Synods are a time to dream and spend time with the future. What we're called to have, again according to this document, are these dispositions that will help us. I'm just going to go through these quickly. Okay. An innovative outlook being inclusive, an open mind, listening to each other and everyone, you see there's a common theme throughout this, an understanding of journeying together, understanding the co concept of co-responsible church and reaching out through ecumenical and interreligious dialogue. In other words, this can't just be something that Catholics do, they also have to reach out to non-Catholic Christians and in fact, non-Christians. -non I was going to ask you that actually. Would the Church of England be doing this? Well, it, it, they wouldn't be part of the Pope's Synod, uh, mm -hmm. but they may have their own Synod. And probably as part of synodality, the Pope would reach out to his le leaders, fellow leaders in other faith traditions, mm -hmm. and invite them to be part of uh, the, the meeting. Often, wow. bishops, uh, the Synod on Bishops, often will have non Catholic representatives. As, as guests. I, you know, I had an interesting conversation the other day. I told you I went to church with our friend Meg. She goes to First Christian here in town. And I went and the sermon was on love and it was very beautiful. And so afterwards, the, um, the reverend got in touch with me and he's like, ah, we are having, he's like, I'm having a lot of conversations about um, Christians and young people that are leaving the church. And I said, we're having those same conversations. So he and I talked for about an hour and a half the other day over um, what Christianity is in 2022 and what we can do to hear these voices. And um, it was just, it was really interesting to hear someone outside of Catholicism that was interested in Catholicism and, um, you know, just kind of bouncing ideas off of each other of, okay, well, what's working in your church? Well, what's working in yours? So that was really cool. And I think that there's definitely a need for that. So um, Reverend Chris, if you're listening, you're coming to the Senate. It, you, it's needed. It, mingle right. with your non-Catholic friends, hear, ask them questions, hear them out, get some conversations going. So as we proceed along the journey of the Synod, we need to be careful that while our discussions might be wide-ranging, the Synodal process maintains the goal of discerning how God calls us to walk forward together. So he's not saying how the Pope is calling us to walk forward together. He's not saying how your high school religion teacher is calling you or your mother is. He is saying how God, how the Spirit. Holy Spirit, okay? So the temptation of conflict and division that they may all be one, John 17, 21. This is the ardent prayer of Jesus to the Father, asking for unity among his disciples. So be unifying. And that's historically important because synods in the past have often been violent disagreements, so much so that they've broken up and you know didn't finish their work. Had we had three popes at one point. Yes, I'm sure it was right. over a synod, over a synod synod. So yeah, bring your good attitudes. Yeah. <laughs> bring your 
bring your faith. Okay, the temptation to treat the Senate as a kind of parliament. This confuses synodality with a political battle in which in order to govern one side must defeat the other. It is contrary to the spirit of synodality to antagonize others or to encourage divisive conflicts that threaten the unity and communion of the church. So just play nice, okay? Play nice or we're going to make you sit on the couch holding hands until you like each other. That's what Barb would say. So the temptation, finally, the temptation to listen only to those who are already involved in church activities. This approach may be easier to manage, but it ultimately ignores a significant proportion of the people of God. So all those people that sign up for everything, always raising their hand in class, not it, this isn't just for them. Everyone needs to bring their bag game. Everybody is called to be a part of the Synod. Yeah, God's calling um, us to. And so we're going to make them regret that real quick. All of y'all Catholics <laughs> out there, <laughs> if you've got issues, bring them. Um, that's that's, right. that's what it's for. Please don't let Rebecca and myself be the only ones up there complaining that we need more casual Sundays <laughs> at the cathedral. Come on. Or something of import. Yes. That is very important to us. So (laughs) I'm just curious, though, after hearing all this, you know the rules. What for you, Father Larry, what is your list of grievances that you need the Pope to know? So I hope from the Synod that the voices of your generation will actually be heard. All all of those voices. Okay, you can cut this next part of what I'm about to say. But you, as a priest, though, I don't mean this disrespectfully. I need you to put your friend hat on and not my boss hat. But as a priest, are you really asking for that? Because that doesn't affect me too much. But it goes against what you are, as a priest, what you stand as that. That's why I think it it would be hard because it's hard for me to think. Are they really wanting my opinion? Because they're saying this, and these are these are niceties, but... I have the luxury of not being in charge of anything except Russia University. Okay. To being able to hear y'all's voices, help you speak your voices. You mean it. And it doesn't really impact me personally in my role as a leader. That's a bit of a luxury. But I would Somebody say... Somebody who might have to make changes to how they govern a diocese or a parish, that might be a lot more of a challenge than it is to me. I'm not saying I don't want to minimize those voices, but I think in all honesty, I have to say, as president of university, I have a little bit of a rarefied existence in that I don't have to deal with well, I wasn't speaking the live, to you. You know, the, the everyday lives of people in the parish on, in that real sense. Mm-hmm. And because what pastors and bishops do is so incredibly important and difficult, hearing those voices might make their jobs even more difficult. That doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. It means even more that we should do it. So when, for me to say, yes, absolutely, I want to hear your voices. I have no problem hearing your voices. Well, that's all we need to hear. It doesn't impact me in the same way that it would somebody who was the pastor of a parish or the leader of a diocese. Well, that Because they have different responsibilities. Right. I mean more from not as a president, but as like a priest. Like 
Is it something that it's going to be like, I don't want to hear all this blasphemy. Like I've pledged my life to not get into these things. And now you have a whole group of people that are saying, we need to change the way we do things around here. Everything that you've signed up for is not, that's more of what I mean. No, for me, um, I mean, for priests like, in general. Oh, priests in is general. It an, is this for an attack? In general, yes. It could be. It yeah. could feel very, not confrontational, but challenging um, and uncomfortable. Um, but that's okay. But I don't want to speak for other priests because my level of discomfort is not going to be the same as somebody who has different responsibilities than, than, than I do. I I will say, though, as a university president, I can imagine it, but it, the, the people that are having these, like the young people, this does affect you because uh, in a way that I would imagine would dig deeper because these are your students you care about, you know, like I'm sure the the problems they bring that you can't change, that that has to be hard for you to hear and to to know that young people are hurting for reasons that you can't right. fix. That I can't fix. But you know, I think there comes a moment in, in stages of life, kind of a a phase in life where you become much more accepting of the things you can't change. It doesn't mean you don't hurt for people, but you also kind of have a bigger context in which to put it all. And you hope that people, as they go through life, especially younger people, and they experience things for the first time that might be painful, you know, you hope that they find a way to contextualize that pain as part of the overall life experience that we all have to deal with. And that as they move through life, they understand where that fits in um, and things that might be really upsetting when you're 20, when you're 40 right. or 50, you're kind of like, yeah, well, I've been there, done that. That's life. Not to minimize it, right. but it, it contextualizes it because it can still be extremely painful for somebody in their 40s and 50s, but they have learned somehow that that pain doesn't define their existence and doesn't mm -hmm. define who they are or how they relate to the world. You know, when you're young and you experience something traumatic for the first time, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, this defines who I am and how, how I relate to other people. This is going to be with me forever. And certainly there are certain experiences that are right. so traumatic that that is true. I'm not talking about things that necessarily, you know, result in PTSD or right of course uh, I'm talking about just the everyday experiences that everybody have that are difficult to deal with and so yes you still hurt for people and you want their hurt not necessarily to go away but you want them to find meaning in that right because you know it's not going to go away because you've lived life long enough to know how things are right and I, I would hope you know as a part of synodality that Older people can learn from young people what their what their experiences are and what their hurts are, but also young people can look to older people to kind of maybe help provide that context. You know, th I, I think that might be something we're missing. You know, we all had that experience, or I've had that experience, where you know when you go through something, you might turn to a grandparent, and they, without even thinking about it, they provide a context for helping you to interpret that that situation mm -hmm. parents can do that too but parents are sometimes closer to our age than than our grandparents and so when we live in communities where everybody's just wrapped up in themselves and we forget to have kind of intergenerational community 
we lose something really important in terms of our own development. So that's kind of a long, mm-hmm. a long answer to your question. There is a special prayer for the synod. So yeah. the prayer is Atsumus Sancti Spiritus, which means we stand before you, Holy Spirit. This prayer has been used for centuries. It was written, attributed to St. Isidore of Seville, who lived in the year 560, so 1,500 years ago. From what I understand, it is a prayer that has been historically used at councils, synods, and church gatherings for hundreds of years. So we're part of that tradition. And I thought maybe we could do this as a closing prayer. And maybe take turns reading stanzas. I'll start. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We stand before you, Holy Spirit, as we gather together in your name. With you alone to guide us, make yourself at home in our hearts. Teach us the way we must go and how we are to pursue it. We are all weak and sinful. Do not let us promote disorder. Do not let ignorance lead us down the wrong path, nor partially influence our actions. Let us find in you our unity so that we may journey together to eternal life and not stray from the way of truth and what is right. All this we ask of you who are at work in every place and time in the communion of the Father and the Son forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This podcast has ended. ended. Let us go in peace to love. Um, As you have been called to love. That's your life. As you've been called to love. And then you say, uh, Um, peace be with you. And with your spirit. And, and Godspeed. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. Good one, y'all.